welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, aka Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver. And Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With over a decade of recruiting experience, our guest Avery Francis has become an active HR leader in Toronto's ever-growing tech space. Her ambition and passion for people helped this young entrepreneur reach new milestones with her DE&I design consultancy called Bloom, allowing the world's best leaders and people of influence to build better, more diverse cultures and teams. Avery, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's a far trek and we're very, very happy to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me here. I'm excited. We're just going to jump right into it. Yeah, let's go. Tell us what inspired you to build your company, Bloom. So it actually came after a string of not so great workplace experiences. Mm -hmm. I have you know, I'm 33 now. And at the time I was 29 when I started my business and had been working in tech and advertising and marketing. And before that, in many other different industries for a long time. And I think the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, was when I was assaulted at my workplace. Mm -hmm. And that was a pretty like obviously heavy experience. Mm -hmm. I had been working really hard to like build and grow that company. And I would join the company at like 45 people wow. and it built it to 200 people. And then when I had that experience, it just kind of shifted things. Although it was like very traumatic and it did almost break me, it's what kind of helped me to build what wow. I'm building now. I just want to create environments where people can feel safe. Work is intrinsic to everything that we do in our daily lives. Most of us, unfortunately, have to work. Mm. And unfortunately. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's a fact. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I see people like Kim Kardashian hustling, I'm just like, holy smokes, like you're a billionaire and you're still out there like grinding, mm -hmm. right? So I think that knowing and understanding that most of us have to work generally Genuinely, I believe that we should have safe and inclusive workplace experiences for folks. I believed in that for the majority of my career, but even more so when I had that experience, because I just think that we're not doing enough to build systems to protect people. And so true. Literally, for yeah. those who don't 
know about Bloom, can you give our listeners a little background? Yeah. So Bloom is a workplace design consultancy, and we are on a mission to build better workplace experiences for everyone. So we work with startups, early stage organizations, e-commerce companies. We work with Fortune 500 organizations as well. So we've consulted and advised uh, some of the leading organizations in the world on how to build better workplace experiences for their folks. We do that by way of training, recruiting, and HR advisory. And you even do it for influencers too. Yes. (laughs) We've been working with so many amazing influencers. So we have been working with Birds Papaya. We've been working with the team at Jillian Harris at Design and Jilly Box for over a year now. I've also worked with Valeria, who's Mm. a very well-known Toronto. uh, I don't think she's an influencer. She's just like art. (laughs) She's art. I like that. She's so like, she's just like everything she does is beauty, Mm -hmm. not beautiful beauty. It's just, yeah. Anyway. So we worked with her on scaling her team and it's so funny. She was our first influencer client and my first realization that influencers do have like massive businesses supporting them. Yeah. I was shocked when they reached out and they were looking to hire for three people. I was like, huh? (laughs) And they were like, already a team of 15? I was like, I thought it was just Valeria and her husband (laughs) kicking it. I was like, no. 15, damn. (laughs) Wow, that's huge. Then I'm sure the team's bigger now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, very cool. Yeah. Bloom is hype. So obviously you're an expert in educated leaders concerning best practices around DE&I. Um, so can you explain why it's important to have continuous learning around that subject as businesses, as people, as everything? Yeah. So a couple of reasons. The first reason is you don't know what you don't know. So Mm. (laughs) if if you're unaware of the systems of oppression that exist, that influence our daily existence, uh, specifically when it comes to work, then you're not going to be as inclined to try to either remove barriers or create more inclusive uh, experiences for other folks. Even something as simple as language, right? Uh, So in organizations for the majority of my career, I'd always been in team meetings or town halls where really excited CEO would be like, hey guys, like can't wait to get blah, 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 trajectory sorted, can't wait to launch this new feature. And meanwhile, I was sitting there in a room of people that didn't just identify as men, right? Mm -hmm. So these small things, language shifts can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. The second thing is things are ever evolving in the DEI space, right? Terminology is changing, language is changing what is okay and appropriate versus what isn't is always changing. And then also we have like new conversations around like how to affirm, properly affirm folks. So for example, I'd say four or five years ago, it was totally okay. And to ask someone, well, it wasn't okay, but the norm was to ask someone like, what are your preferred pronouns? But this fundamentally kind of suggests that it's a choice versus a fundamental part of their identity. So this is why we now recommend just to say, what's your pronoun, right? And this, mm-hmm. these are the shifts that are taking place. And this is like yeah. small shifts. Yeah. Just like it's little, a, it's yeah. a small, tiny shift, but it makes a big impact. And I think that sometimes people will kind of refer to this as like, you know, oh, well, we can't do anything right. It's not that. It's we're doing a lot of things wrong already, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. We really are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, and, and I do like to stay away from this good, bad, right, wrong binary, but we have gotten into the habit of doing things that aren't necessarily thoughtful or in mind of everyone's unique 
lived experiences and the intersections of their identity. So yeah, to answer your question, I think those are the two main reasons <laughs> things are changing. That was my okay. alarm for my house. <laughs> someone's, someone's, someone's breaking, breaking in. in. <laughs> oh my God, don't say that. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh. No, not today. Bonnie will get him. Oh my <laughs> gosh, honestly, I come all this way and my house gets broken no, in two. Could not. you imagine? We need nope. wood right now immediately. <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> safe, inclusive spaces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, not my home. <laughs> Everything that's valuable is actually with me, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> We're in the clear. She can stay, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> incredible. So, I mean, you, we're speaking about this ever-evolving space, even just how things have changed in the past five years. Yep. What do you see the future of diversity, equity, and inclusion on social media and in corporate environments? I love this question because it's so funny. I think the pandemic has taught us all that we aren't really good at predicting the future right? Things are changing and evolving all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think that the future of diversity, equity, and inclusion will be a practice more than a prediction. Mm. So we're going to practice those habits, those new ways of thinking, those new ways of working, those new ways of like communicating and connecting with folks and cultivating truly diverse and like more diverse and truly inclusive environments. I think that that's what the future looks like is a set of habits um, that will be a part of our daily practice yeah. because people will just know more, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, so I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case, but I think if I were to, I don't know, get really creative and think about the long-term impact and what things are gonna look like, I, I'm hoping that this will be something that will be more systemically kind of driven. So hopefully government and, and yeah. institutional change. Real Start change. from the top, yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 cause the, the challenge is, and there's a lot of data out there that supports this, but bottom up DEI initiatives, whether it be grassroots organizations, whether it's an organ, a company or an influencer, whatever it may be, they don't provoke a lot of change unless you actually have control yeah. and, 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 and structure and buy-in from the top. Right. So this is what we'll need. So what we're seeing right now is a big shift in these conversations. We should be looking at evolving our educational system, mm -hmm. right? We should be thinking about teaching anti-racism and systems of oppression mm -hmm. at a grade school level and through like through high school and in university. These are all big considerations. We need institutional change. I'm hoping that that's what the future looks like. I think Gen Z is pushing for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we can't have everyone learning about DEI on TikTok. No, <laughs> we can't. We can't. <laughs> so I think it might be that. I think that there's going to be like more institutional and systemic changes. And that's what I'm crossing my fingers for. Hopefully. I was going to say, we look forward to seeing yeah. that. Yeah. You had just mentioned it, and we had talked about this before. And mm. it, you, you actually caught me up because. I, I definitely have been guilty of saying, hey, guys. <laughs> and I was I like, mean, I just said it. You know, even, even it, it's just these colloquialisms or these natural things that we do. And then sometimes, I mean, I'm, I don't get defensive about it, but a lot of people might because there's that fear that well, I'm not racist or I'm not anti this, that, or the other. Yeah. I'm defensive. But what are some examples of initiatives that, businesses or influencers can put into practice to promote, promote diversity, you know, just as simply as 
the guy's example, but maybe even bigger. Yeah, so I think that it starts with education, mm -hmm. right? Um, the more you know, the more you grow, and the more you'll cultivate truly inclusive and affirming experiences and environments for other folks. Uh, I know that there's probably a lot of like influencers and or marketing led kind of businesses that are listening in. And I think that in order for you to see that type of change and shift in thinking and in their collective approach is to offer them the way to approach it. Right. So without education, you just simply won't know. Mm -hmm. So you'll unknowingly go about your life perhaps causing uh, harm or hurting people's feelings or saying, you know, what someone would deem to be the wrong thing without actually having someone call you in on it or call you out because they don't want to do it. Right. right. You know, it, it's, it's a distraction. People are moving and they've got a lot of things going on in their life. And it's, it's scary. I don't, I have a hard time confronting people about, you know, if I order the, if I order something at a restaurant and they get the meal wrong, yeah. I don't want to like, create a big commotion, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Let alone if I'm at a meeting and mm -hmm. the CEO refers to me as a guy, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, and in some, in some cases, people aren't in a position of power to even provoke any change or feel comfortable saying right. anything. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of data out there that supports that people that are of racialized or historically marginalized communities are more likely to be faced with ramifications or even challenges, restraint if they are talking about or trying to move DEI initiatives forward, whereas if a white man does it, they're celebrated, yeah. right? And and the, the, the assumption is as a white man, you are an advocate, you're an mm -hmm. ally, you're doing good. But for me as a black woman, I have skin in the game, I am black, right. these things, directly benefit me but the interesting thing is is that a white as a white man if a white set cis het man mm -hmm. that's non-disabled if you are embar embarking on these conversations and for whatever reason um people are celebrating these things directly benefit you too right right yeah. like if if one person wins and there's lots of data that supports this but more diverse organizations and companies are more profitable mm -hmm. period organizations that have more women at leadership are 35% more mm -hmm. successful with profits. Like it impacts the bottom line. So everyone benefits you from this work. This people. Yeah. Right. What do you say? And I think you basically just answered that, but I'm going to, I'm not pushing back. I'm just, I know yeah. I have lots of, <laughs> I have lots of old white men in my family. So um, the, the conversation around, it's just like, Oh, everybody's too sensitive, you know, yeah. I'm a highly sensitive person. Yeah. So I get that all, I get that all the time, but what, What's a good rebuttal for me to say, <laughs> you know, about this generation is just too, too sensitive. They're always offended. You're never going to be right. Yeah, I get it. Mm. I totally get it. And I think that for me, I, um, I, I, my mom's white. I've grown up around a lot of white folks. I live in a predominantly white neighborhood. Mm. I'm on the receiving end of like microaggressions and kind of... And macroaggressions. Uh, mic macroaggressions, totally, 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 totally. I think that this that is a tactic that people use to minimize mm -hmm. and distract folks from what's actually happening. And we talk about this in Bloom Academy often, but there's many tactics that exist that people lean into that have been practiced since the beginning of time to invalidate the very real and lived experiences of historically marginalized communities. So that would be my answer. Um, a question that I oftentimes pose back is, who do you believe comments like this is hurting? And who do you think benefits from comments like that? Right, right. Right? So I, I think that saying, oh, you're too sensitive, where does that get any of right. us? Yeah. Right? Right? Uh, it, yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a wall. Yeah. It's not and, helping. It's not helping. also like, 
you are not sensitive and therein lies the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when people, and it's not just men that say this, uh, say that like a woman is intimidating. It's like, no, oh. she's not intimidating. You're, You're intimidated, intimidated by her. Right. Mm-hmm. These people aren't sensitive. You're just not empathetic or have the capacity to navigate someone else's feelings and try to create more space for them like people are human they're going to feel what they feel yeah so yeah i think the the first people the the people that are always the first to say everyone's too sensitive are in some cases the most sensitive the most sensitive people (laughs) because they're trying to defend themselves right right? because they feel like they did wrong they feel like they said the wrong thing they feel like they weren't right and i i totally identify with being i've been there Mm -hmm. right when you get called in or called out and you're like oh like i didn't mean to do that like just let me go on with my life i get it (laughs) (laughs) right you just feel like you're stuck and you're like oh i just was going and Mm. i just want to keep going but yeah yeah I, i i i genuinely believe that these people they do care Mm -hmm. but they're not caring about the person they've impacted they're caring about themselves and their own ego got it so as it relates to workplace stuff what do you think are some questions that members of the BIPOC community who are looking for new jobs or interviewing what should they ask their prospective employers to make sure that they are coming into an inclusive environment which we already know they probably aren't but what are some good questions to ask during the interview <laughs> process or any of that? Or do about- you have, even have the freedom to ask those questions? Mm. Right. How long do you have? <laughs> There's no paper in the world. I know. I was like, oh god. I feel. I feel like I feel like I could roll out a scroll. You know what I mean? Like Santa's <laughs> naughty list. Though, just that, be, like the, and, the owner of the company will be like, "You are not hired." Yeah. Like that. You know? They're like, yeah. Yeah. "She's gonna one. be a problem." <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Insert image of like the Star Wars. Yeah. The Star Wars credits, and it just be that. And do an abyss. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you could ask. I think that I think three of the most important questions that I would recommend. I'm just going to preface this by saying that a lot of folks will will insist on focusing on representation. So like how many women do you have in leadership or Mm -hmm. how many black folks do you have that work here? Mm -hmm. And I think that those are important questions, but it doesn't really speak to how people are treated within the organization, Mm -hmm. right? If it was me and I was in the interview process, I would actually be very uh, keen to understand more about systems and initiatives and programs that have been built to support racialized and you know historically marginalized folks versus how many people they have that are yeah. like mm-hmm. me in the organization. Um, I've been in environments like that before and I find that it gets you into this weird space of tokenism yes. and like mm-hmm. virtue signaling. There are like, there's a very obvious power dynamic that exists within the workplace and that is people are going to work to make money so they can live their life, right? We all live yeah. in a capitalistic system. This is the reality of the world that we live in. So there are people that are black folks that are at a company that may not be treated fear- fairly or like the experience that they're having, but they're just silently moving through the motions because mm-hmm. that's what they know, that's what they, they're used to, and that's basically what they just need to tolerate at the moment until they get a new job, mm-hmm. right? And this is true for women, this is true for disabled folks, this is true for trans folk, whatever, the list goes on. All, all the folks that are part of marginalized communities, this is, this is their reality. So with that said, don't focus on how on representation. I don't think that that's as important as how you will be treated. So think about some of the things that you need as an individual to feel affirmed, to feel welcomed, mm-hmm. to feel supported within your role mm-hmm. and ask questions around that. So for me, the first one would be what what do you do in terms of diversity, equity and inclusion training and have you offered training to people in the past? 
if I know that people have embarked on a collective learning journey, then I might not necessarily be on the receiving end of microaggressions or flat out racist comments mm -hmm. as a black woman at work. Uh, the second question would be, what programs have you put in place to support historically marginalized communities? And this might mm. be like, oh, we actually um, have a hiring program or we have a peer-to-peer -peer mentorship program where black folks uh, are mentored by white peers at, in a senior leadership level, et cetera, et cetera. The third is understanding what financial commitment that they've made, okay? Because oftentimes these initiatives fail without backing. It's the same for like a marketing team. You can't expect marketing to happen, happen within an organization if they have no one that's being paid to do the job. Or no budget. Yeah, <laughs> right? So if you ha want DEI programs and initiatives to move forward within an organization, if you want to build a truly inclusive and more diverse workplace experience for folks, then you need to invest into it. Mm -hmm. And that can't necessarily be done with one and done DEI mm -hmm. trainings. You need someone that has skin in the game, that has a tangible and promotable, um, uh, like not necessarily skills, but uh, job responsibilities to move this work forward. So I would say, do you have someone that's leading DEI at this company? If not, do you have an employee resource group that's leading this work? And what are your plans for the future? What are some of your DEI goals? And if you don't have time to ask those questions in an interview process, you can ask them via email, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but little pro tip, wait until they give you a job offer. Yes. Very, very good. Disclaimer. Exactly. Yeah, because mm -hmm. yeah. some people will respond energetically to a question, to a set of yeah. questions like that. Other people might be like, oh no, yeah. this yeah. is going to be difficult. This trouble, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this person's going to give us a hard time. And I, and I don't want to give people advice without acknowledging that like we all have bias. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are some folks that are addressing their bias and working towards not leaning into it. And there's other folks that are you know, not hiring people because they're like, this person's difficult and they're going to be an angry black woman and they're going to give me a hard time. So just wait until you get the job offer and then ask those questions <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then make your decision uh, from there. <laughs> I mean, very effective starting point though with mm -hmm. the three questions because yeah. I feel like it's overwhelming for where to start yeah. in that position. Mm -hmm. um, so now let's say this person has gotten the job, they've worked at the place, the workplace for over a year um, and they're feeling as though they're being discriminated against, how do you advise that these people advocate for themselves in their workplace to feel more inclusive without their position being on the line? Oof. Okay. Mm. Is that even possible? Yeah, as soon as, as an HR person, as soon as you say discrimination, my like back hairs go up because <laughs> that's, that's a serious mm -hmm. allegation. It's a very serious um, experience you'd have to navigate. So if you're an employee and you have are having this experience you feel as though you may be discriminated against i would recommend first going to someone that doesn't work at the company mm -hmm. to talk through what is happening just just to explore the situation just so not because i'm not i'm saying that the experience you're having is invalid it's because sometimes it's better to talk it through so then you have prepper, you've been prepared mm -hmm. and you've practiced talking about it to someone so you can actually speak to someone within the organization with a little bit more confidence and ease, mm -hmm. right? Because it's, it's an emotional scenario dependent on obviously how serious the, the discrimination or discriminatory or oppressive behavior is. 
Beyond that, I would recommend then going to an executive sponsor. And executive sponsor is different than your boss, it's different than HR, it's someone that has a, a position of power within the organization that you have a good relationship with, hopefully, that you trust, that could perhaps help you to navigate the next phase of the conversations um, that will likely take place. Because when you say discrimination, this could be a whole host of things. It yeah. could be someone getting like Slack messages at weird hours of the day, or it could be someone like not getting access to projects or mm -hmm. not being invited to meetings or not being invited to like external events because they believe it has something to do with their identity. Um, so I'm just kind of trying to account for mm -hmm. all of that. But this executive sponsor, similar to me, like when I was assaulted at work, I was the sole HR person, so it was a very unique situation. I went home, wow. I was living with my parents at the time, and I told my mom and dad, and they were like, whoa, that's not, that's not a good, that's not good, you need to talk to someone about that, like it's terrible what, had, what happened. So then I reached out to uh, the COO who had, I had a good relationship with. I'd actually hired her to join the team and I'd worked with her previously. And she kind of affirmed that it was fucked up what yeah. had happened. Mm -hmm. And she was like, we will help you. I will be there every step of the way oh, wow. to ensure That's that true. you don't pull out, that you don't get mm -hmm. scared, that you don't forget about what happened. Because I mean, discrimination that could, solicit all sorts of different trauma responses for folks, right? Mm -hmm. Especially like historically marginalized people. And as someone that has unfortunately been on the receiving end of abuse and assault outside of the workplace, a lot was coming up for me. You mm -hmm. will validate, you'll just, you'll blame yourself. Yeah. You'll tell, you'll yeah. say, oh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, maybe what, it, you thought, it wasn't yeah. what I thought. You'll go through all these motions. And the next thing you know, nothing happens. Right. So this is why I think it's important to talk to someone and then you get that practice. And then you speak to the executive sponsor and then the next best uh, phase would be to actually speak with someone in HR and perhaps have that person involved, the executive sponsor, as part of that conversation. If you have a really good relationship with your boss, you can do that as well. Mm -hmm. But it, it can be very nuanced. Organizations now more than ever are implementing really cool tools like our all of our, our voices. Mm -hmm. It's a website. And actually, if you want, you can lodge a complaint there too. Oh, wow. So our voices dot com. Yeah, I think it's allourvoices.com. Mm. Yeah. So, we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great website, and you can actually log a complaint there if you need someone to go to. But yeah, my my biggest piece of advice with that is just make sure you say something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk to someone. Even yeah. if you don't have someone to talk to because you don't feel comfortable, uh, you can journal it and mm. then revisit it. Right. Right? Just so it's real. Mm -hmm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Can we talk about token mm-hmm. hires? <laughs> How do we move past this as it's often diminished the BIPOC communities, like it diminishes the BIPOC community's achievements because even with Black Lives Matter, if you're looking at it, at it optically from the outside, sometimes it's like, okay, it, it feels that they've just shoved a person of color into a position. And many times that's not mm-hmm. the case. That person has been looked over and looked over and looked over yeah. and they're in the position, but everybody, not everybody, there's like this sentiment with a subsect of the community who are just like, well, they were just hired because they're black or they're just hired because they're a mm-hmm. woman. You mm-hmm. know, they're not that whole idea of how like affirmative action, how it was mm-hmm. like, no, we want the best person for yeah. the job as if they weren't the best person mm-hmm. for yeah. the job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, when, when no, tokenized yeah, yeah. hiring is, I think that I've been seeing and observing a lot of it. There's like, there's a, there's an, I'm not going to name them, but there's an actual company that made a big pivot. They were not doing this work before 2020. And now mm-hmm. they have like this big app. They got millions of dollars in funding. It's two white hat cis bros Mm. that have created like a diversity hiring pipeline (laughs) company but i just think it's uh i I care that these this work needs to start from a place of inclusion Mm -hmm. so if you're going to bring these folks in you should and hold the responsibility to cultivate a truly inclusive experience for them i think that a lot of organizations feel as though they're doing the right thing and they're starting from a place of really good intentions Mm -hmm. but what i encourage them to think critically about is the impact they may be having on these folks and when Mm. i talk when i talk about impact i want to hold space for us to actually just even think about the cliff uh the the glass cliff effect has Mm. anyone heard of that phenomenon okay so it is a social phenomenon where um historically marginalized people specifically women and women of color are hired into organizations during times of social unrest, um, times of political upset, times of basically if a company's not necessarily doing well, mm. and, and they're brought into the organization to hopefully turn things around, but they genuinely, it's like a glass cliff. They fall off the cliff, they oh. fail, because they're coming into such a challenging, yeah. nuanced, tough situation that they are not set up to fit. They're not like set up it's to, impossible to, for them to win. Like, like remember yeah. our, 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 our one and only female prime minister that was in for yes. like yep. a little very very short yep. period of time yep. Yep. and she was like put in place because she had to be but it was absolutely was it's, horrible it's a perfect it, that is a perfect example yeah. of that and they right? use that as an example of i can't remember but it's a similar concept but where it's they they open the door to like let one person in and then yeah. they but they've set them up to fail yeah and then when that person fails it gives them an excuse to be like see which what I, happened? They yeah. fucked up. Well, shut the door this, again. And that's bias working, yeah. right? And different stereotypes. So uh, there's default thinking that's associated with like leaders. And like when you hear leader or CEO, a lot of folks, their first image that comes to mind is a white mm-hmm. cis het man, right? Preferably someone that's like tall as well. <laughs> weird. It's a weird bias, yeah, wow. but generally speaking, people that are exist in fat bodies aren't in roles of leadership and men that are tall are more prone to be in a leadership role than men that are short which is another whole other area of discrimination fun fact fun fact i was about I have to, to say, say wowee yeah, i know I was like, but like fun. actually now i'm thinking about it <laughs> i should ref- i should frame it as an unfun fact so unfun, un- fact. unfun fact what do you think is the most prevalent form of discrimination that exists um, with a specific identity group that oftentimes goes unchecked or normalized that still exists today. Napoleon complex? I mean, you just said short men. Yeah, I was like, I don't like know. short men? <laughs> discrimination? Wait. Wait. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Wait. Discrimination. Yeah. 
That yeah. actually, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would makes perfect oh sense. Yeah, people that weigh more or that exist in bigger bodies earn less money, mm-hmm. get promoted less, don't move and mobilize within organizations as much as others. It's a whole other form of discrimination that exists. So, yeah, kind of wow. going back, yeah. <laughs> going back yeah. to your question. Um, yeah, I think that w- people this tokenized hiring oftentimes organizations haven't done the internal work to set these people up for success Mm -hmm. and to ensure that they have affirming positive experiences at work and then it creates a ripple effect of additional not so great experiences for other folks like the one that i had like folks i think anyone listening right now if you identify as part of a marginalized community i'm sure even everyone around this table has probably had a a not so great experience at work before Mm -hmm. right yeah so i think it's something that people need to think about it's one of the reasons like Bloom could have doubled down on diversity hiring, so to speak, uh, back in the day, like peak 2020, and I'd probably be on a beach right now, like <laughs> laughing it up. But it's that tokenized work that just it doesn't really provoke a lot of change. It's one of the reasons why I think that representation matters, but it can't be like the goalpost mm-hmm. as to whether you're doing great work yeah. in DEI as a company or not. Interesting. It's so yeah. true. It I feel like it goes so much beyond visibility. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what the CEOs and the higher ups are looking at just, oh, as long as we checked that box, but Mm -hmm. there's so much more to it. And it depends on who's visible to you as well, right? Mm -hmm. So this is why in the beginning of like this conversation around DEI, the default was actually towards representation around more white women versus more women of you know, all different racial Mm -hmm. backgrounds and everything like Mm -hmm. that. So I think that that's another reason why, like, we only see what we're used to and what we're familiar with. So if you do not have an inherently diverse uh, network of people that you surround yourself with, you might not think about how you need more trans folks to work at your company, right? Or how you need more people that are indigenous uh, to work work within your organization, so Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you just touched on indigenous. Yep. We have a question that honestly is asked often around us and even from clients. Can you educate us on the right way to acknowledge indigenous land online? Oh my gosh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so we actually, we do go over this. There's a really great app for it. Um, mm. Yeah, so I need to, I'm gonna find yeah, an app. Yeah, pull it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's not an app, it's, it, there's, so you can text or you can, you can actually text this number. And once you text the number, it will, do you want me to share the number with yeah. everyone? Yeah. Now? Okay, I'm gonna pull it up. Give great. me a second. I have it somewhere here in my back pocket. And I'm looking. So yeah, if you text, I'm going to look it up here. Hold on. I haven't used it. So you can find out where the land. Okay, here it is. Okay. So I need to find it for Canada. So in order to find out whose land you're on, you can text the number 1907-312-5085 if you're in Canada. And that number once you text it, will tell you the land that you're currently on. Oh, wow. So it, like, geolocates you? Yes. That's so cool. Yes. <laughs> uh, and there's also a website that you can use as well that's really great for it, and I can share the link with you yeah, sure. afterwards. But I also think that an important part of engaging in truth and reconciliation is acknowledging, in some cases, like today, we are, well, other people are mm. connecting with us remotely. I work remotely. My entire team remo- works remotely. So by encouraging people to identify the lands that they are on individually, not mm-hmm. just maybe where the company was founded, that's another great right. practice as well. The way that we practice it at Bloom and how we encourage our clients to practice it is to 
acknowledge the Langeron at the beginning of a meeting or at the beginning of a conference or a virtual event. Uh, we do not do this at we have huddles every single day. We mm. don't do it every day. Okay. We've done it once when people join their team. I do it on big for big town halls and for larger meetings because we're in the practice of doing this often. We also have it in other ways throughout our like practice. So I have a land acknowledgement at the bottom of our website. Mm. I have a land acknowledgement right. at the bottom of our uh, job postings. Mm -hmm. We have land acknowledgements every single one of us in our uh, email signatures. Like there's a lot of different creative ways in which people can practice this as part of their, I guess, like their truth and reconciliation mm -hmm. as organization. But generally speaking for folks that are, I guess, like hosting events or doing internal meetings, mm -hmm. I think that like the day-to-day -day meetings, you don't need to do them for, for that. Mm -hmm. But for big, larger kind of scale meetings, town halls and everything, I think that it's important to acknowledge it. Definitely. In relation to the recent press around the convoy protests, can you elaborate for our audience on why it's problematic in relation to other minority groups and their inability to advocate for themselves in the same way? Yeah, this is a heavy one. So I'm not going to spend too much time on the trucker convoy because, quite frankly, it was ridiculous. But I think that what people were pointing out in terms of the differences in treatment were a couple of things. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, we saw videos and images of police in support of these folks, hanging with these folks, barbecuing and grilling with these people. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was um, people can't help but observe the stark difference between how these folks were treated in comparison to how um, organizers were treated during like the Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. uprising and then the movement after George Floyd's murder. And I also think that it was the symbols, right? The, mm. the, the hate symbols that were used by not necessarily all these people. I know there are some people out there with their kids that truly and fundamentally believe that they're fighting for their freedoms. Fair enough, right? I actually totally support everyone's, um, you know, right to protest and right to speak their their truth and to share what they want to fight for. Totally, but I think that when we see hate symbols mm -hmm. involved, we see Confederate mm -hmm. flags, um, oh, Nazi symbols, right? Mm -hmm. Nazi symbols. These are things that aren't aren't. They, there's so much more than fun gimmicky ways of being like, this is who I ride with. Mm -hmm. These are deeply racist, deeply concerning fear tactics that are or tactics that are used to produce and elicit fear in historically marginalized communities and folks. So it creates a scary and very like unsafe environment and space for marginalized people. And I think that, you know, I have someone that works on my team that lives in Ottawa and even thinking about it gets me upset. Like, but she's uh, she identifies as Asian, and she was like, she had to put her hood up when she mm. was walking around Ottawa that week because she was worried that someone would attack her because they would assume by default that she's not with them or doesn't believe in what they mm -hmm. believe in, and like that kind of stuff. Like it, yeah, it mm. hurt. Like punches me in the gut. Like I, you can kind of tell I'm getting emotional, kind of even thinking about it. But yeah, it's just it just produces this like 
very uh, scary space. Uh, and I think that that for me, I, I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but for me, when I was looking at what was going on with the trucker convoy, that was, that was those are the most concerning aspects of it. Fair enough, you, you believe that you're fighting for your freedom. You believe that you're not mm -hmm. currently free. We won't get into the nuance no, of that, exactly. right? But it was the symbolism that was being used and supported, right, um, by Cosine, right? Mm -hmm. If you're there and you're riding with these mm -hmm. people, you're yeah. basically saying that this That's is okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Right? And Confederate flags have got nothing to do with Canada, right? Exactly. Yeah, right? Thing. These, these are like <laughs> deeply rooted in racism towards black folks. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people that ride around with these Confederate flags genuinely don't understand mm -hmm. that. They don't know the history of it. It goes right back to the beginning of this conversation. Like, you don't know what you don't know. It's true. So when I see yeah. kids, I remember a friend right? uh, when I was bartending. That this guy was like a really good friend of mine. We bartended together for years, and he had a clothing line, and he had started making these belts, and he made one belt, and it was, it was Confederate flag. Oh my goodness! And, and I was like so offended, but I was like, bro, like, what are you wearing? He's like Dukes of Hazard flag. I'm like, no. <laughs> Absolutely no. not. But yeah, they did. Yeah. Dukes of Hazard actually yeah. did use that flag yes. in the original show. So mm -hmm. he didn't actually know that it was. It meant something mm -hmm. so different. It was removed from his line very quickly. But you know, there's people. A lot of people. There's some things that they actually don't yeah. know. And I think know? that that's a part of the reason why people are speaking out against it. And I think that then this tactic is like, well, you don't, you, you don't support me. You think I'm a racist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I got into so many conversations with people in my DMs <laughs> over this whole thing, and I ended up just to kind of, I decided to move to move past it. I also just couldn't help, but I'm not gonna. I don't want to get into like conspiracy theories or anything. But there was like a lot of support from Russia mm. for the trucker convoy. There was a lot of like um, payments that were from like the black and dark web that were put towards this. And I brought this up on my Instagram, but ultimately like with the trucker convoy, it wasn't, I feel like it was almost used as a bit of a tactic to distract. Yes. Um, because yes. like they were mobilizing, um, you know, like Canada was sending out like army, like kind of representation and everything to mobilize in the Ukraine ahead of what we knew was going to happen against Russia and Ukraine. And I, I just feel like people forget, like propaganda has been something yeah. that has been used. A tool of war from yeah. the beginning tool of time. A tool of war for beginning of yeah. time. And now, you know, instead of, you know, posters and, mm -hmm. you know, social, we, have social, we have social, we have social media, we have Facebook. Facebook, we have Kim Kardashian and Kanye West going mm -hmm. through a terrible divorce. Like, we have uncut jobs. Yeah, <laughs> we have uncut jobs. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Totally. I was like, did Russia like? Yeah, I know. Did they hire her? Did they hire her? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what is going honestly, on? Like, but it's a it's a massive distraction. Mm. I feel like most people, everyone will know uncut gems. Oh my god! I Forever. You, everyone will know. <laughs> everyone knows that, but not everyone knows about what's going on in in Russia. What's going on in specifically in Ukraine? What's right. going on in Syria? Mm. There's all these very serious things that are going on in the world right now, and I, and I understand why some people are like ignorance is bliss because yeah. this kind of stuff weighs on me and it's it's you know stuff that's hard of, it's hard it's hard mm -hmm. it's like heavy. and it's heavy and it's complex and there's nuance and there's so much we'll never know i've never been to russia right right there's some people that have never who couldn't even imagine of being there they, they, it's so hard for them to connect and identify with these people and the same thing goes for like folks in ukraine so it's easy for us to like dump out our moscow mules now yeah. and associate Right, that's what's happening, <laughs> and they're trying to rename. They're trying to cancel oh. Moscow Mules because that's really going to make a difference yeah. to Russia. 
<laughs> this is Putin. Like well, it's not. Yeah. It's not yeah. all of Russia. Yeah. It's like right? I, I read the other day that the Russian Tea Room in New York is like a famous bar, and and pe- and people don't understand that it's owned by a fund. It's not even owned by Russian not even people. Owned by Putin yeah. or but people Russia. are protesting out front of it every day, and not acknowledging the fact that one, that's not even connected, and that it. Not all Russian people are part are of this Putin? movement or this yes. war, right? And so there's like no discernment. It's a very complex thing. Mm-hmm. So I think back to the trucker convoy conversation, because um, I did get a little bit off topic there. We but always do. It, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's okay. a conversation. It's okay. Yeah. It's a conversation, yeah. totally. But I think it's just, it was the the language, it was the, the headlines that they were mm-hmm. using. Like, isn't it, I think the one leader was like, isn't it fun to fight for your freedom? And I couldn't help but think like, Think about all the people that fun. have fought for their freedom. And also, really I'm not sure it was fun for them. Yeah, no, like, I don't know? think Harriet Tubman yeah. was having a good time. Yeah. You know, pretty sure Rosa yeah. Parks no. not having fun. No, no, mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were like, "Yes, this is amazing. This is such a joy <laughs> ride." Like we're yeah. barbecuing and drinking beers yeah. this whole time. Like not at all. And I think that it just further illustrated the the sheer lack of understanding, yeah. empathy, and care for folks that don't look and have have different lived experiences than they do. And I'm I'm not really trying hard not to generalize because I know some great people that also went and <laughs> supported they didn't drive out with their truck, but they mm. took their little Nissan out to Ottawa <laughs> to, mm. you know, support their cause. And for them it was more so about masks. But right. I think that funnily enough, I think that this whole trucker convoy was a bigger ploy to mask something else. So Masking yeah. the mask. Yeah. <laughs> I think with that being said, we've kind of danced around the, the idea of cancel culture in uh, throughout our conversation. We've actually done several episodes on this. Two of them we can. One of them we ended up kind of getting through as our Der- Derek Jackson <laughs> episode. Yeah. Anyone wants to go back and listen to that, it's quite <laughs> funny. But what's your opinion on uh, current cancel culture practices? And like, is there anything that actually justifies being like canceled? Air quotes. No. This is this was a very hard thing for me to sit with. And even within Bloom, when we relaunched all of our DEI programming, because we spent five months reworking everything that we had done through 20, well, from longer before, since I started the business. So from 2018 through to 2020. And one of the things we had to address was cancel culture, mm-hmm. right? Where does this sit and, and how does this influence the work that we do? And what is our collective position on cancel culture. Notice how I didn't say stands. Hmm. Not everyone can stand. Oh, right? wow. Yeah, little inclusive. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hyper detailed, but so why not? So what was the word that you used? Position. Position. I like that okay. better, yeah. right? Means same thing. So <laughs> um, we, we collectively decided on our position on it. And I think that uh, there's a lot of folks that are talking about this now, but generally speaking, like we know that if the same people that with their full chest will say abolish the police, right, um, or dismantle the police are the same folks that will be, and I was this person that are like, you know, I think his name was Brett Hickison, like, you know, put, arrest Brett Hickison for the for the murder of I think, George Floyd, whatever. Like, 
I was calling for mm. this punitive action, put this person in jail, was also <laughs> saying I don't want the police to exist, mm -hmm. yes. right? Yeah. Like yeah, you can't say the that. two don't, yeah, don't coincide, work yeah. they don't work together. Yeah. So what do I believe in? Um, I believe that everyone has the capacity to learn and grow. I believe that cancel culture solicits fear, it solicits isolation, it doesn't, it doesn't promote learning and growth, right? If someone does wrong or they support an oppressive system, et cetera, et cetera, then I do think that the best way forward is through reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And this is true for the worst offenders. This is where I've landed because I just, we can't have one without the other. And I yeah. think that when people understand the um, industrial prison complex, they'll get why this doesn't work. Because guess what? <laughs> we look at someone like, what was that? That man's name, boy, that little boy's name that shot up the people at the one George Floyd. I've blocked oh, him out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, uh, what's Redden, his Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse is a very good example. The prison industrial complex, pr prison was not built for people like like Kyle. So this is the reason why a man like him will go to trial and he will not get convicted. Right. It was not built for him. Does anyone know where prison started, the origin of them? Then slavery. Exactly. Yeah. Slavery. <laughs> it was slave hunters yes, is exactly. what they initially started off as mm -hmm. and now there's lots of data and information to back that, you know, black folks are disproportionately <laughs> imprisoned. Yes. Facts. For crimes that things that aren't even illegal anymore. For example, oh. smoking marijuana. <laughs> I mean, so many things. They're not even that illegal really anymore. Yeah. Right? So it's just like we have this new way of slaves and, and prisons in most cases, especially in the United States, are businesses. Massive these are private businesses. entities. Yeah. And they're benefiting from these black and brown bodies being in there and rotting mm. or being on the receiving end of so many nuanced, terrible experiences that there's no coming back from oh, there. Yeah. You are stripped of your humanity when you are put into jail. Mm. And I think that if we are not going to hold space for people to learn and grow and to change behaviors, because no one is born the list of things. I yeah. don't want to use a specific yeah. thing, but there's always, I believe, and I have to believe it, that there's room for growth, there's room for change. And I think that we could create better, more affirming, more humane systems to move us forward to a better future. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is, is this is true even for the small offenders of folks that do bad things on social media mm -hmm. and piss off other influencers. Like, it's like, these literally <laughs> like, like i can't think of anything more of like more distracting and silly than these influencer kind of bouts and fights and it's so funny because most of them usually just profit and benefit from them but you know i just think that that's that's the shift that we're seeing is i just yeah. feel like and and for me like with bloom we a big part of our business is around learning and development if i fundamentally believe that everyone that holds racist views right now has no opportunity to perhaps shed some of those belief systems or perspectives yeah. then i shouldn't then you even don't even do have a yeah, no point. i shouldn't yeah. do what i do yeah right and i shouldn't hire people to join my team <laughs> yeah. to do the work right. that we do right there are ways forward but it, it it does mean that we need to start to challenge the systems we need to think critically about what influences the behavior and the impact that people have and i think that these things work by design that's why we call it systemic oppression mm -hmm. these are systems that exist Right. It's like a spider web of things that are all interconnected and we get caught. We're all caught up in that spider web right now. Mm -hmm. We are like 
what's her name? Charlotte. 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 <laughs> We're Charlotte's. Aww. We are in Charlotte's web. Aww. We are Charlotte. We and are there. Yeah, the little boy, ironically named Avery. Oh, well, cool. <laughs> that's me trying to get everyone out oh of Charlotte's God. web. <laughs> I'm very much still. We're all we're all actively perpetuating these New things. Of course, right? We all are. Um, but yeah, I think that that's that's my kind of thought on cancel culture is that we there it, it's if you want to dismantle and abolish the police, don't act like them. Ooh. Right? Hold space. <laughs> Okay, okay. Bang, bang. I'm when an talk. influencer gets called in, Avery, or given feedback, that is there a correct way to approach the response? Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's a few things, and we actually have a post on my Instagram, at Avery Francis, if you want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, at, yeah, you do. <laughs> or at, a, at Build With Bloom um, is the Instagram handle. So I think that it's important to kind of just check in with yourself if you've been called in and maybe if it's over like a DM, right? Mm-hmm. You actually are in a pretty good spot to just kind of reflect and think about it. Calling in is means that this person believes that you have the capacity to le- learn and grow and change. This mm-hmm. person could have called you out, which would solicit a very reactive response from mm-hmm. you because you would have to kind of get into makeshift PR you know, manage public opinion mode <laughs> fast because a fast response is oftentimes what you need to do for stuff like this to acknowledge the impact that you made. So I think that you have this time to maybe pause and reflect, think about it. Start with focusing on the impact you had on them and not your intention. Cheese. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Impact <laughs> over intention. Right? right, the impact that you had on this person matters more the intention that you had. If you're, intent- amen, because yeah. everyone's always like, I had good yeah. intentions. Yeah. It's like I didn't mean that. that. It matters how it was yeah. received. Yes. Yes. I didn't mean it that like that, yeah. or that's not what you think, or all the different tactics that come up, right? And and the, because when you do that, you're invalidating their experience. Mm-hmm. You're not showing them that you care that they brought this to your attention, and you're not showing them that you perhaps have the capacity to not engage in this behavior again in the future. So impact over intention, number one. Second, do not center yourself. This isn't about you. <laughs> this this person has mm-hmm. taken time out of their day and everyone's got a lot going on to share how you have perhaps perpetuated an oppressive system, hurt them in some way. I really like to stay away from like saying caused harm because like harm is such mm-hmm. a big yeah. wide spectrum. Um, but regardless, this person has brought this to your attention. Do not send to yourself. So this is not about you. No going into, again, focusing on mm-hmm. your intentions. No talking about that. Just listen. Because right? it is, like, practically hard to do that because mm-hmm. it's you yes. on Instagram putting something out there. So instantly you're going to – you take a step back and you're going to be like, <gasps> yeah, you know, you hate me. Yes. And it's, mm-hmm. you're so right. If you take a, take a beat. Take yeah. a minute and then. Yeah. And if you want, you can actually, if you are not in a place like, let's just say you're at the gym or you're with your kids or you just had a really bad day or you're like me and it's like three o'clock and you haven't eaten all day and you're just <laughs> running on coffee and you know you're about to go like yeah. off. Nuclear. <laughs> go off, right? Yeah. Just say, hey, I don't have the capacity to respond to this right now, but I really appreciate you bringing this to my attention. I'm going to respond tomorrow or whatever day in mm-hmm. which you feel mm-hmm. you would best be able to respond to them. That's a good response. Yeah. That's, a, that's mm-hmm. a very reasonable thing to say. I don't have the capacity, but I really appreciate you bringing this mm-hmm. to my attention. I'm going to get back to you 
in a day. Yeah. That's it, right? And then in the event that this person, like, I think that someone that's calling you and if they really do care, because calling in is an art as well, right? Mm -hmm. So this person should say, hey, um, do you have the capacity to have this conversation? I'd like to share my professional and or personal view on what you just did. Are you open to receiving that some feedback? right dual buy-in and consent mm. is a very important part mm -hmm. of this yeah. right this is something that i fail at all the time mm. because i'm moving so fast and quick if i see someone do something like wrong maybe it's a client or someone that a close friend of mine i'll quickly send them a dm like while i'm on my peloton being mm -hmm. like hey oh my gosh like i just saw this make sure you don't say this use this word instead mm -hmm. and i'm not actually like so i'm not i'm not holding space for mm -hmm. them to be like, yeah, I'm open to this feedback right now. It's not now. even conversational. No. You're just like shooting it off. Dumping right. it on them. Someone yeah. unfollowed me. I did that, you know, I told you about this like yeah. privately. I did this months ago and the person unfollowed me and wrote me off. I get it, yeah. right? I mean, nothing moved forward. She mm -hmm. probably hasn't learned much since that situation. But regardless, like I definitely could have handled my mm -hmm. approach better in, in practice with what we do at Bloom, what we mm -hmm. tell and encourage people to do at Bloom. So I think that that's another way that people can respond. And then I think that when it comes to uh, the acknowledgement of the impact that you've had, just keep it there. So right. I acknowledge that I use this term that I probably shouldn't have used, or I didn't use the appropriate language here, or thank you so much. Do not ask this person to educate you. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not their job. Right. Right. So you could say, do you have any resources you think that I should check out mm -hmm. so I can learn more about this? Or thank you so much for this information. I'm going to do some additional research. Google's your friend. <laughs> right. Our you favorite. can Google it. It's not on this person. They've already done the work to call you in on something and to highlight something because they care about your growth. Right. Fair enough. So you can do that research. Upon learning more, you could actually go back and you could apologize to this person. Right. Right, we have a whole guide on how to apologize effectively, and we're doing a session coming up in in about a month. Because believe it or not, I was one of these people. Not most people are not great at apologizing, mm -hmm. right? Because they. I'm sorry in. if it made you feel bad. Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry if it made you feel bad. I'm sorry that it impacted you that mm -hmm. way. I didn't. I didn't make. To, I didn't mean for. Yeah. I didn't intend for it to make you feel that way. That's like the, the intention number one. over impact, yeah. right yeah. there. Right, That's like right, yeah, the right. intent is. It's like it's like a like a bullet mm -hmm. in the middle of that sentence, right? Yeah. You're just smacked <laughs> with it. Yeah. It's like, I didn't intend to make you feel that way. It's but like, okay, did. well, you did, yeah. and we're still here. Yeah. I'm still upset. Yeah. So, like, what now? Right? Yeah. And, and, and this isn't to create, like, I'm not trying to over-index on, like, tiptoeing around people. That's mm. not what this is about. It's, it's more so around, like, how do you actually build better, more safe, and uh, connected relationships with the people that you have in your life, right? That care about you, that care about your growth. I practice providing and giving and getting feedback all the time. And it takes practice. It's, it takes practice. To, oh my God. To stop yourself from mm -hmm. leaning into the defense tour of your life yes to just being like <laughs> especially if you fancy yourself as a quasi-intelligent yeah you're just like oh, i yeah. never yes I never. yes a hundred percent you literally have to just take it on the chin like you get the feedback that happens with me i'll get feedback and i'm like yeah and i can feel it inside my soul i'm like it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine and i won't say anything so i'm like just Take a fucking second because it's yeah. just your response. Like, yeah. you don't want to do bad. Yeah. You don't want to hurt yeah. someone's feelings. You all become a kid again. Like a, yeah. like a like, kid that did something bad, like getting slapped on the like, hand. You're bad. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Ah, I didn't yeah. do anything. 
I'm yep. good girl. I'm a baby. Yeah. I'm a baby. Yeah. Oh my God, more TikToks. And, and the last part is just. Avery's to, like, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's wrap this up. I'm the last, the, and the last part of this is to acknowledge or make a commitment in terms of mm. changed action. Love. So, mm. you know, thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. I'm sorry that. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever thing you did, um, that I that I did that and that it hurt you. I acknowledge that it hurt you and uh, I'm gonna do some work. Mm-hmm. I, I have work to do and I'm gonna, in, my my commitment is to, to do that work. So if it is something around like language or actions, like you can make a commitment to changing those behaviors. Simplest thing that I've done in the past is I've said, like I'm not gonna do it again. I, I had a weird moment two weeks ago. I lashed out on my team. I've never done it before. And I was kind of like sassy with them in a Slack conversation. <laughs> un, un, like just not like me at all. I just had a, a personal thing that came up. And I caught the action. No one had to bring it to my attention because I knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I apologized to the, t- the two people. And they both appreciated it. And I just said, it will never happen again. And it won't. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I'm- my fiance did something this weekend <clears throat> and um but it was very strange and different behavior he literally apologized um and like acknowledged it without putting it back on me and then said he's going to find a way to do it differently yeah. and didn't tell i didn't have to tell him how to and i was like the woman was speechless. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, do I cry? Like, what's happening? Yeah. I was like, it was such a moment of like, uh, so much growth. Bro. And that when you do that and you respond that way, when someone calls you in, you diffuse the situation. Yeah. So no longer is a person now going to go, oh, if she doesn't say something right, I'm going to go, I'm going to yeah. take Escalate. I'm going to screenshot. I'm going to post on my yeah. stories, you know? <laughs> Yeah, people want to feel heard. They want to feel seen. They want to know that you care Mm -hmm. about the impact that you've made. When you center yourself and go through your list of of what you intended versus what happened, and then when you don't make any commitment to making changes to your behavior, the person's not going to feel super confident with what's going to happen next. One hundred percent, right? So I think that this is this is something that it's it's. But these are these are patterns, right? Mm-hmm. Like any their habits, um, we lean into those. This is like a very human thing, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our conscious brain isn't really operating at full like speed it's Mm -hmm. our unconscious subconscious mind that's doing a lot of the work so we lean into bad habits defending ourselves getting angry thinking you know leaning into ego Mm -hmm. thinking the person's wrong they shouldn't they shouldn't step to me like this whatever it may be these things come up for me all the time but when you apologize and make a commitment then this person on the receiving end doesn't have to worry about having to perhaps have that mm-hmm, same exactly. action happen again. Right. They don't have to worry about the behavior again. And I think that for me, like saying I will never let it happen again is a pretty big commitment. Mm-hmm. But what you could do is something like, um, you know, let's just say you get someone's pronouns wrong. You could apologize, acknowledge the impact, and you can say, I'm going to do work, more work on understanding, you know, pronouns and uh, affirming people, um, specifically like trans people or non-binary people in the pronouns that they that they want to be used mm-hmm. like it's something like that like i just think that it doesn't have to be a i'm never going to do it again yeah. it can yeah. be like i'm i'm learning working and i'm growing it. and i'm yeah. working on it and i know i have work to right. do yeah the commitment yeah well avery this has been such an enlightening <laughs> conversation thank we you so much for joining us <laughs> yeah tell everybody where to find you on social you can find me at 
Avery Francis, A-V-E-R-Y-F-R-A-N-C-I-S on Instagram and on Twitter, or you can find Bloom at buildwithbloom.com is our website. Thank you so much. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.